0: Corey Brada here from the Hawkeye of the Storm, joined by uh, Coach Gary Close, and I apologize for the the brief delay there, Gary. had some technical issues. We're not able to take calls tonight, but um, kind of fitting that my equipment would break right at the same (laughs) moment that Iowa's offense does. And I understand, Gary, we're going to talk about Rutgers defense. It it certainly was an impressive display, and and we knew that coming in. This is a Steve Peichel team that tends to always play aggressive and certainly physical, um, and and they're going to get calls at home. Um, But – can you account for 46 points for this Fran McCaffrey offense? And, and do we have some issues at hand here?
1: Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard really to fathom, you know, if you just said going in that, that you would hold Rutgers at 48 points, you might think we, that I would win by 20. Um, and it's just one of those nights, they, uh, they couldn't buy a basket literally everywhere. They did not shoot well from three. They didn't finish well around the basket. They didn't draw a lot of fouls. Um it's uh, it's disappointing because it you know they just needed a just needed an average offensive night and they probably would have won the game.
0: I, uh, I sent an email to Matt Weitzel of Iowa, and he said that uh, they don't track halves because I had asked him at halftime, has there ever been a half in, in, in as far as what they had on hand uh, as far as records? Has there been ever been a half under Fran McCaffrey where I was shot worse than 30 percent? Um, offensively. And I don't know the answer to that question. My guess is maybe, but I can't imagine a situation where they've shot under 30% for half and yet had the lead. So that was the case tonight. Second half seemed to get worse, uh, Gary, that those first couple of minutes, of the second half, Iowa actually was able to put together a string of points. I think they increased the lead to eight. But after that, it was just absolutely nothing that entire second half. So here's what my concern is, Gary, and you can maybe leave this a little bit my concern is this reminded me a lot of that Iowa State game right here in Ames that I was at. just seemed like a physical team that Iowa had problems matching that physica- physicality of Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Tell me I'm wrong. I know def- rebounding-wise, Iowa rebounded the ball better than they did in, in Ames.
1: Yeah. yeah no, no, I think they definitely did that. Uh, I think there is some truth to that. Um, you know, when you play physical teams, you've got you've to cut hard. You've got to set strong screens. I, I, I don't think they've been a great screening team all year, um, uh, both off the ball as well as on the ball, I just using the screens better and setting more physical screens to, you know, to free up the pressure. Um, and they lack, you know, they lack a, uh, with the exception of maybe Keegan, uh, they lack an inside score that they can just go dumping in there and let him go, go to work and draw a foul, or get a basket when they get into droughts. And I thought tonight they, Probably shot too many threes the way they were shooting them and, and should have taken the ball a whole, whole little bit stronger and hoped to draw some fouls. But, you know, it's easy to say when you're sitting here in your home and trying to break it down. But it wasn't a good offensive game.
0: Certainly was not. And, um, you know, you don't want to, to always point to the officiating. I, I don't understand. The, the. I'll just be honest. And, and I think I'm speaking in behalf of a lot of Iowa fans. Um, I don't know how you make that call on Keegan there at the end in that situation with as much physicality as was allowed in this game. And you're going to call Keegan Murray for that. And I know, you know, there's, I, I, if you're looking at it from a technical standpoint, you, you can reason the call, but right, can can yeah. you agree with that sentiment, Gary? Yeah,
1: no, I, especially at, at that time and the way the game's been played, it was, it was a grinding game all game long. Now I thought that was a really bad call. Um, I think it does show that when you're when you're guarding the ball, you want to try to show your hands to the officials because if they don't see them, then a lot of times they assume you're holding. I mean, if you're not, and I'm not sure that was the case. I think it was just a bad call, but his hands did get caught in there a little bit. Uh, but uh, in that situation, you don't you don't like to see a call like that. I, I thought it was bad.
0: Another call that. that- certainly was frustrating for Iowa fans and, and I'll just be honest I understand it was very close my issue with the overturn at the end of the first half and Robbie Hummel brought it up is my understanding at least the principle and I don't know if it's set in stone if it's actually written in the rule book so to speak like it is in college football but Gary if a call on the court is one thing don't you have to have conclusive evidence to overturn that call isn't that sort of principle of officiating
1: yeah, yeah, I, w- I, w- I would assume so, yeah. yeah. So
0: I, I don't want anybody to tell me that that was conclusive, that the ball was still in his hand. There, there's just no way on earth that any official can look at that and say with 100% certainty that that ball was still in his, in his hand.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, that was a tough call, too. There's no, there's no question. That's life on the road. And um, they, were, they were two very, very questionable calls um, and definitely had a significant impact on the game. And yet, you realize that they, they should have been able to do some things that those two calls shouldn't have, shouldn't even have been a factor that, they, you know, with their play. They just, they, they you know, they needed to, on the road, you got to get, you got to get through that kind of stuff and, um, you know, make enough plays that you escape. And unfortunately, they didn't, um, which was too bad because that was a game they had right in their grasp and would have been another really good road win.
0: So in, in the long run, I, mean, I know you alluded to it a little bit, but in the long run, are you concerned now that there's a bit of a blueprint? We even saw Iowa struggle with the, that zone of Minnesota's late in the game on Sunday. Are you you concerned with the, the stagnancy we've seen here and there offensively now from Iowa? Uh,
1: not really. I mean, you yeah, know, they're the number one scoring team in the league, um, and it's a league that's that's got some real good defensive teams. Um, you know, they got nothing out of their bench. Uh, tonight which hurt I mean literally nothing I don't think they I don't think they got a made basket uh you know in a two-point game you need some help there and uh, really nobody shot the ball well um fortunately they played pretty good defense or it could have really been a could have really been a disaster so you know if they if this had been something that's happened a lot I'd be a little more concerned uh but I do think they've got a Uh, they've got to cut down on their dribbling and more passing and cutting and screening, especially against physical teams, physical teams want you to dribble. Um, It's easier to guard, especially if you're not turning the corner and getting downhill and uh, Iowa did not do a lot of that um, and probably should have forced it a little bit to see if they could draw some fouls. I don't know what they, how many free throws they got, but it wasn't a lot. Um, And uh, you know when you're not shooting the ball well that's where you got to get inside and draw some fouls and get some easier baskets and and um when you know especially when the three's not not dropping
0: 11 shot threes for Iowa 13 for Rutgers and Iowa the problem is they got there 11 times and they were 6 of 11 for a team that leads the conference in free throw shooting so yeah, that hurt. i mean i know it's apples to oranges maybe but you you make a couple of those free throws and you're winning this game um and certainly again i understand the the fans that look at this and say, "Well, Tucson's bucket is is counted," and certainly that last foul call, certainly officiating played a role. But I mean, I looked at the game, and I'm not just trying to say I've got Homer glasses on. To me, Iowa just didn't deserve to win this game because I've never seen so many shot clock violations, and you know, he had two or three air balls from from Jordan Bohannon on the outside. And I'll be surprised that it, I, I mean, I'll be, I'm I'll be honest, I'm surprised that Keegan Murray <laughs> was able to. That um, was I thought it was a well designed. Play with the screener coming up and screening yep. is it Amarui or whatever his name is. Yeah, um, it was a good throw from Connor, and I thought Keegan got a pretty good look at it. one of the better got looks they had.
1: Yeah, you can't you can't ask for much better. Than that. In fact, I was surprised Rutgers didn't miss the second free throw on purpose. Yeah, uh, to prevent just that. But um, because you're probably not going to get a two unless you throw it all the way to the basket, so a three is going to beat you either way. But no, I think you know with two seconds left to get a you know get a decent look was a Uh, was a well-executed play and fortunately it didn't go in
0: now here's a technical question i have for you and i don't know the answer to it gary but um in a situation like that so i believe there was 1.9 seconds left when the two free throws were made for Rutgers. and for the record if you watch that back i think geo baker was trying to miss that second free throw now maybe Maybe, i'm wrong maybe just the, the trajectory looked like he was trying to miss and he made it but i don't know the rules on this um if Iowa were to rebound, that second shot was missed. It's a one point lead and Iowa rebounds it and calls a timeout and you know, obviously you're gonna have some some time lost. Is Connor McCaffrey able to run the baseline in that situation or is it a spot? So he's it's got a spot. To, man. So, so there's no reason not to miss that second free throw, really. Because you're gonna deal with the three point right. shot the other way, likely I, either yeah, way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. Plus, there's gonna be some time off. The ball might get bobbled. Um Wisconsin did it not too long ago in a game where uh, uh, Davidson uh actually missed both of them. Um, and, um, uh, and that resulted in, uh, uh, a rebound, but they couldn't get the shot off in time to, you know, to, to win the game. So I was a little surprised that maybe, maybe he did try to miss it and, and made it, uh, that's kind of funny in a night where nobody can make it. They try to miss it. And then that's when they do make it. I mean, it's, it was a tough night shooting really, really was because they didn't even need to shoot just mediocre and they would have won that game.
0: I'll be honest. I didn't think the, and I saw people on Twitter upset about the officials, and I and I just voiced my frustration with the officials on those two calls. Um, I didn't think the officiating was bad bad throughout the game. I thought it was they were letting them play. Did you feel the same way, or were you upset with the officiating?
1: No, I didn't. N- nothing really. Nothing really jumped out at me other than that call and and the the thing at halftime. I was a little little disappointed in that being changed. No, I, I, at least I didn't think anybody got an advantage. And it didn't look like it from terms of free throws and number of fouls drawn. I think it was, I think, I think the game was officiated fine. It was just a real struggle for both teams offensively. I think shot selection with both teams, a little questionable. Um, And a lot of uh, poor finishing around the basket. Just, uh, uh, you know, those shots are not as easy as they look and, and uh, uh, we got we, we, They got to knock some of those down or, or draw a foul to, um, you know, get enough points to win that game.
0: There was a, a clear push in the back on Philip Robrach on an alley-oop in that second half that was, I thought, blatant. That was missed. But other than that, I didn't have anything marked down as far as um, calls that to, to me that were obvious. Besides, that, again, the one you mentioned with Toussaint, and of course the foul on mm-hmm. Keegan there at the end. Um, I, I'll be honest. That first half, Iowa had some opportunities in the fast break. Um, I, I can think of one specifically with Toussaint and Patrick.
1: Yeah, Joe know. made two two high-floating passes that both didn't work, and then he came down on the third one, made a great bounce pass, and they scored. You know, those alley-oops look great when they work. The problem is when they don't, you don't even get a shot off. And that's – you know, I always been really good at not turning a ball over. Those were two huge chances to score. In a game like this, you, you know, you'd love to have those back. Um I, I, I don't think they executed real well in transition like they normally do. I think um, I think Joe did some good things out there, but on those two instances, those floating high passes, they got to be right on the money. And if they're not, then it's you know it's in the seats or it's bobbled or just go in there and make a solid play, bounce it to them, and and uh, let them lay it in. Yeah, the, the passing wasn't great. Um, uh, you know there were some post feeds that were not great. Um, and that'll affect your shooting. You know, you're, they're they're normally a really good passing team that doesn't turn the ball over a lot. I, I didn't think they passed the ball real well tonight.
0: Dan says we are an NIT team, like we thought. Tough loss, but Keegan is fun to watch. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, this is one. It's one game on the road. Now, I I went into this game, Gary, as as a fan, feeling pretty um, pretty relaxed because you feel like you lose this game on the road. It, it, that's a good Rutgers team that I don't think. Started off the season real hot in November, but they haven't lost at home since that early loss to, uh, was it Lafayette? Uh, So undefeated at home, of course, knocked off Purdue there a couple weeks ago. Um, So that's not a bad team. I think the frustration here is how Iowa lost. I don't think anybody expected this game. You know you're going to get a physical game with Rutgers. I will say this, rebounding the ball, I made the parallel between Iowa State and Rutgers, and Iowa State, of course, dominated Iowa on the boards. Rutgers also you could say dominated Iowa on the board. It's forty-nine to thirty-eight, so Iowa gets out rebounded again. And that's not a real big Rutgers team. Um, and I know I'm, I'm, is it again Amari, whatever his name is, was in some foul trouble late in that game as well. Um, I didn't notice rebounding as being a huge, uh, you know, uh, uh, something that really stood out for Iowa tonight. But
1: yeah, again, I didn't either. I didn't either. When you shoot a lot of threes, it's hard to get offensive rebounds. Um, and, and, and you know those balls are bouncing all over the place. It's, it's it could be tough to tra- you know, track those down. Um, so I, I didn't think so. I, I thought you know it was their offensive execution and, and shooting the ball. You know f- from the free throw line to around the basket to out to three. They shot the ball poorly in every uh, in every spot. And and uh, you know they they could have gone into the game played real well and lost. The yep. frustrating part is is that. You know, they could have played a little bit better and won this game. Um, and so that makes it a little frustrating. But, um, you know, Rutgers hasn't lost a game at home yet in, in the Big Ten. Uh, so uh, that would have been a heck of a win. So you got to – we've talked about it. Corey, you got to look at the tape and, hey, where, where do we get better? And then you, you got to get ready for uh, Penn State on saturday because if you're not then you you know you one loss turns into two turns into three and then it gets to be a problem
0: gary tell me the second best player on this team right now on iowa yeah
1: well, that's a good question
0: <laughs> i don't think it's clear i don't think it's clear
1: well it it, it changes from night to night there's, there's no there's no doubt about that um uh that's a, that's a real good question it it's, I've so been a little, you know, some nights it's been Chris Murray. Some nights it's been Jordan. Some nights it's been Patrick. Uh, all of them been a little bit inconsistent. Um, you know, Jordan had some looks that were, you know, he normally makes. He had a few that were tough, too, but uh, some of those were forced with a shot clock winding down. So he's got to get to shoot the ball a little bit better. Uh, that, that You know, he's just he's too good a shooter to miss some of the shots that he, that he missed. But sometimes when you get in a game like that, it gets, gets contagious. You know, you just – some nights you're hot and everybody's making them, and some nights you just can't throw it in the ocean from the beach. And that was one of the, you know, one of the games tonight. Uh, it was just a real, real struggle uh, from a shooting standpoint.
0: And I, I think Phil, honestly, I think these last two games, Philip Perbraca has been the second most valuable player.
1: He's played, season. he's played well. Yeah, he's playing with a little more sense of urgency, a little more physical. Um, I don't think there's any question. He's, he's improved. Um, but we talked about it earlier. he's not one that can, okay, let's, let's run a play, get that ball inside to him. We need a bucket. Really. The only one is Murray and they ran a great play for Murray, um, underneath the basket and, and Joe couldn't complete the pass. He, he tried to pass it right off a dribble and there was no ball fake and the guy got a foot on it or something. And the guy was wide open. That's just, it's execution. And I think when they look at the tape, they're going to see a lot of that, that, um, uh, their passing tonight wasn't. As good as it normally is. And that'll affect your shooting.
0: I'm just going to read through some of these comments here, Gary, about what's on the fans' minds right now. Doug says, Been watching basketball for over 30 years. 99% of refs would never make that call with two seconds to go. Um, if it's not a foul with 10 minutes to go, it's not a foul with two seconds to go. Uh, go Hawkeyes 1 says, Refs with the bailout. Those two points the officials took away at the end of the first half seem pretty important. Skylar says, Two seconds left. Love tap called a foul. BS, even the announcers called it. Um, Doug says yes, the two points in the half, and it's a different game. Um, again, yeah, th- there's no question about it. It's um, it- it's one of those things. I-, I think you look at you look at the situation with officiating, and I and I not trying to say that I disagree with with some of the sentiments here, but um, this game was lost because Iowa shot what what was the final count? Like twenty-seven percent. I got the, the official box score just came in. Iowa shot twenty seven point nine percent from the field. Gary, you don't deserve to win a game. You shoot twenty seven point nine percent from the yeah, field. Yeah, It's
1: hard to win. It's hard to win shooting twenty nine percent. I think the other thing is you got to, and I'm sure they'll do it. There, there's no question. Those were two really bad calls. And and if they'd gone the other way, it, it might have made it might have made a difference. I think mean, obviously, uh, certainly the last one. Um, but as a team, you can't you can't bail yourself out with that and not look at some of the things that you're not doing that you could have done that would have won the game regardless of those calls, or you'll lose more games like that. Um, and we've mentioned it, finishing around the basket, better passing, uh, knocking free throws down, all that stuff. If they'd have done a little bit better, those calls wouldn't have mattered. Uh, you know, I'd be the first to say that, especially the last one was a really – really bad call, which is too bad because, you know, let's go into overtime and see what happens. But they could have gone in overtime and lost then too. Uh, and so their, their offensive execution has got to get better. Uh, but I I agree with all the callers. I, I, that was a really disappointing call with two seconds to go.
0: I'm going to um, disagree with, with Vincent. I think this is the same Vincent that's battled me on the phone before. To say we don't have a player, then go get a bucket when we really need one. I don't think that's true at all because I understand it didn't happen tonight but we just had Keegan Murray make a huge three against Minnesota that sealed the deal in that game, came up with a huge block late, and Iowa's got possibly the best closer in the history of the program in Jordan Bohannon. Now, I will say this, Gary, Jordan Bohannon was in all kinds of misery tonight. Yeah, I mean, he couldn't get a shot off clean.
1: No, no. No, there were times where he could There were times, you know, I'd say half of his threes were good looks that he didn't, you know, he made it, made, it, made, it, made a few and missed a few, and then three or four of them were you know, end of shot clock, heavily contested, uh, tough shots, uh, you know, that are, are, they're, they're real low percentage shots. Um, But, you you know, how many, how many threes did they get where they dribbled, penetrated or went to the post and kicked it back out again? There, there were very few, most of their threes came on passes around the perimeter and those are easier to guard. Um, It would be interesting to go back and look at the quality of the three point shots. And I, I think they probably shot close to thirty, and I'm yeah. gonna guess that half of them probably weren't real good, uh, high quality shots. And in some cases, maybe they had to shoot them because of the shot clock, but they, you know, you gotta get you gotta get penetration, you gotta get a better shot than that. Um, and so that that plays into your low percentage when you're shooting low percentage shots. Yeah. Um, not that they all were. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you get shooters, they, they go two for nine. And they go, God, I shot the ball well. And you go back and look at their shots, and six of them were bad shots. And then you wonder why you're not shooting high percentage. In George's case, I'm going to guess half of his, if he was two for eight, I'm going to guess four of them were real low percentage shots. Some he had to force because of the shot clock. But got to get him better looks. And the good looks he gets, he's got to knock down, which I think he will. He's too good a shooter for this the last you know, for, for a long time. He's just, he's a proven three-point shooter. So uh, tonight was not one of those nights, though.
0: So. Okay, Gary, this is the que- million-dollar question. How do you get Jordan Bohannon more open looks? Because it seems like I was trying to run him off screens, and right now he seems to be struggling as at that two position to, to get looks more. You'd think he'd be getting more open looks from three at the two, at least from my mind, than he would play in point, but he hasn't been getting real open looks. He had a couple tonight. He airballed one, actually. But how do you generate more open looks for J-Bo?
1: Well, I think you know it's, it's a number of things. I think they got to screen better. Uh, I think they got to get more penetration, whether it's with dribbling or with into the post and then back out. Those are your best threes: the drives and kicks, the drive and kick, and then make another pass. Those are the high percentage threes. They're not getting a lot of those, uh, and when they do, they shoot them better. They got you know they don't have a real strong post presence other than Keegan. They dump it in. Hey, you double team. Let's kick it out, make an extra pass, get a wide open three um so i think it's you know i don't know if you can put your finger on one thing um i think they do got to screen better uh, i think they got to move the ball better i think there's there's a you know a little bit too much dribbling um but then i think also they got to get penetration with some north south dribbling not east west and some post feeds to where the defense has got to collapse and and open up some shots on the outside it's uh you know, there's a lot of things there that can 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 free up shooters to get better looks,
0: and I promise I'm not uh, I'm not criticizing Fran McCaffrey's rotation, but I was way off. I made a prediction pregame on Twitter that uh, I thought Chris Murray would get over 20 minutes tonight because he had 11 on Sunday, and I couldn't have been further off. He had less than 11. He had 10 minutes tonight. I I, I understand he's young and he's still coming along, and again I'm not trying to criticize Fran's rotation, but he's coming off a 29 point double-double against Indiana and these last two games he's played a total of 21 minutes that just seems odd to me Gary
1: seems a little odd to me too um you know it's it's hard to actually put a finger on that um but now I will say I, I, I will really,
0: say this I did hear Kenyon Kenyon Murray on the radio here a couple of weeks ago I believe it was after the Utah State game it had said that both twins had been dealing with an issue injury issue prior to the Utah State game so I don't know if maybe there's a lingering thing going Could on here
1: would be yeah
0: but i just find that odd after that big performance yeah
1: yeah, yeah. It, it's, it sounds odd based on that and the, but there might be some things we don't we don't know about that uh maybe cause him to get some get some less minutes because we got to get they got to get more production off the bench uh, that's 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 a that's a given
0: hyperlocal says you get j more looks by bringing in Peyton Sanford. And he's another guy, Gary, that we're not getting a whole lot from him right now offensively. Um, and he's young. So I don't want to, I'm not putting it on him, but to, to me, there's just a seesaw with a lot of what Iowa has from an offensive standpoint. And you mentioned it. It seems like the, the second best player year night in and night out is a different guy. And I feel like tonight there wasn't ever really that second guy. And when Keegan Murray doesn't put up 25 you're asking for trouble. I think in any big 10 game, I don't care if it's Rutgers defense or, you know, Nebraska's, I think you're going right. to, you're going to deal with some right. issues on the road. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, well, when you have a young team that, you know, doesn't have a whole lot of experience. That's you're going to get some inconsistency. And, uh, there are some guys there that, that are doing this for the first time or close to it. And, and you're going to get some up and downs. That's, that goes with kind of goes with, with, it, with the territory. So, um, Hopefully that's going to get better.
0: Okay, so Ben has a differing opinion on the last foul, and I respect your opinion, Ben. When you say he was clearly riding him with the forum, I don't think there's. I'm not debating that. I don't think any fans are debating that. But, but again, when you look and you watch this game, to me, that sort of a, a defensive stance was occurring for Rutgers every single possession. It seemed like, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Not he, called unless good. there's typically extension, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I. I... I, I, didn't, I, I didn't even think he was going towards the basket. It looks like he was drilling more towards the sideline. Um, and it was, it wasn't real physical, but we mentioned before, when they can't see your hands, that's, that's why we, we, you try to teach, show your hands to, to the officials. Don't let them lay in there. Cause if they're, if they're not seen, then they may assume yeah, what's he, that's what he might've done is, say, I don't see any hands. He must be holding them. Uh, but I, I, I don't, I, I don't think it was a good call. I don't, I don't, Think there was enough enough riding as he talks about enough physicalness to to make that call. Um, I, I even thought the dribbler was wasn't even really was, was more going towards the corner than he was going towards the basket and not really turning the corner. And uh, you know, with two seconds left. Uh, I didn't like it.
0: All right, Vincent, I love you, buddy, but you're bringing this up again. So I will remind you again. Sunday versus Minnesota you watched the, the playback Keegan Murray came to the top of the arc demanded the ball shot the three made the three won the game I understand they were up by three at that point but that sealed it then came to the other side of the, of the floor and blocked. It. I don't know what you what more you want him to do and if you're talking about the last play uh, that's a pretty low percentage shot again I thought I was fortunate to even get that good of a look um
1: well, I think in, in, in a little bit of his defense, I think he is he is the one guy that uh, we could if we need a bucket inside, that's who we got to go to. And and he's got to demand the ball and and um, get some inside baskets and draw some fouls. Um, and like I said, they ran a play for him with a couple of minutes to go. A beautiful play, well executed. He made an underneath cut underneath the basket off a screen. He was wide open and. Joe didn't get it to him. Um, And, you know, we talk, you know, that's execution. But I I think he's, I think he is the guy that can get Iowa some buckets inside. And I think he's got to be a little more assertive doing that. But I think he can do it. Um, I got to call his number. And he's obviously hit some big threes. So he's young. I mean, I, he's still, he's still a young guy doing, you know, playing his game. Um, but I, I I think he's the best option in there and, and I think he does have to uh, be a little more assertive and and I think that's their look if they need an inside bucket it's got it's got to be to him
0: hyperlocal says that was the best defense this team has played in the last four years I know I'm disagreeing with everybody but Gary Rutgers also missed a lot of gimmies in this game and I know Robbie Hummel brought it up I think they were what four of 13 on layups at least according to Hummel at one point right. Is, are we dealing with some, I, again, I'm not trying to rain anybody's parade, but are we dealing with a little bit of fool's gold from the Iowa defense right now? Because it still seems like there's way too many easy buckets, dunks. Um, I thought they played okay defensively, but when you look at the score, when you look at, okay, they gave up 48, that's eye-popping, but I just I try not to get ahead of myself because we saw low scoring outputs for Iowa opponents last year, and then, of course, we learned in the tournament that it really hadn't come very far.
1: Yeah, no, I thought they played pretty good defense tonight. I you know, they you're you're not going to be perfect. Um I think one of the things they did real well is they didn't foul uh you, you know, shots around the basket that a lot of teams do. Um the game the, uh, the game the other night between Wisconsin and Northwestern, Northwestern missed like 20 free throws. Um or excuse me, 20 layups. They missed 20 laps and only shot eight free throws. I mean, that's almost staggering to, you know, you're getting the ball that close to the basket. you got to be drawing some fouls. So I, I thought they played pretty well. I thought they did a good job of being disciplined around the basket and not just whacking people when they got in there. Some of those shots are difficult to make, especially if you can body people up and not let them get angles to the basket. It's those point-blank ones that you, you don't want to give up. And I don't know if they gave up too many just flat-out point point blank laps that they missed. They missed some shots around the hoop that were contested. Uh, but I thought overall their defense was really good and certainly good enough to win. And, um, you know, Rutgers has put some hurting on some people in that place. And uh, they, they also did not shoot the ball well, but I think Iowa deserves some credit for that. I thought, I thought their defense was, was real solid tonight.
0: Well, I will, I will trust you on, on that rather than my own, uh, my own eyesight. So, uh, <laughs> And, and again, I, am I'm, uh, I'm somebody who I feel like I've been burned in the past because there have been moments in the last couple of years where it feels like they've turned a corner defensively and then an Oregon happens or a, you know, it's a game in Bloomington happens. So, um, but, but I agree. And again, I'm not trying to infer that they've played poorly. Uh, right. and I am a perfectionist from a fan perspective and I, I am going to point out easy layups for Rutgers and whatnot. Um, so I do want to bring this up here. Uh, let me find it. I thought this was a, a beautiful comment, and I don't mean to to uh, rip the Iowa football team, but Circle Herc says the Iowa, the Hawkeye football team was watching this going, man, they need to get the offense going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gary, you're a fan of Kirk Ferentz. So I, I, I'll take a shot at him. or I'll let Circle Herc take a shot there. But uh, <laughs> let's see here. Um, Eric says, "Off night offensively, Iowa showed they can stay in a close game with defense. Very true. On struggling on offense, that should bode well as the year goes on. I like the per- positive approach. I again, I've, I'm I'm not that positive yet, but but Gary, you seem to echo a little bit of, of, of Eric's sentiment
1: here. Yeah, I, I thought they I thought they played. You know, Rutgers has got some guys that can score. Uh, though Keegan did a terrific job on uh, what's his name, the guy with all the hair." Um yeah Harper Herb, Herb, Herb. 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 herbs a good player uh, the other guard has played a lot of big Ten basketball um, they held him in check um, so I thought defensively they were they were good uh, certainly good enough to win uh, and they got to build on that because um, they'll play teams that'll be better offensively they'll be they'll play teams that'll finish better around the basket but um, I think it's interesting as he's playing more and more man and I think that's a reason why they're getting better Um this is probably as little zone as Iowa's played in a long time. Although I, you know, I haven't watched him as much as you guys do, but I, I usually watch him when they're on. And you know, I think he's playing a lot more man than he's ever played before. And I think it's part of the reason why it's getting a little bit better. Um, I think they're, I think they're on the right track.
0: He can do it. He's. I think he's got athletes he trusts to play more man, right?
1: Yeah, that could be. It could be. But, you know, <laughs> if, you're, you're, if you're practicing and you're only practicing your man and not practicing all these other defenses, you're bound to get better at that one. Right. Um, and I think there's some truth to that. I, I think there... I, 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 I'd i love to ask him why he's playing more man than he ever has, in my opinion. Now, somebody might say, no, I don't, I, I don't agree with you. But I, I just haven't seen as much zone as I remember them playing in the past. And I'm curious as to why, but I think their man's gotten better.
0: Okay. Uh, Vincent says, any comments on Patrick McCaffrey's continued poor play? Well, Vincent, I will say, I'm not disagreeing with I don't think Patrick's played great, but I believe Patrick's the only other guy in double figures tonight. So it was Keegan and Patrick. Keegan with 13 points, Patrick with 11. I, I do feel like, I agree with Vince on this. I do feel like Patrick's still struggling. Um, and we talked about who's that second guy. Some nights it's Patrick, and then he's kind of, out of sync offensively. I mean, heck, a month ago, Gary, it looked like Tony Perkins was going to maybe be his. And he is, I mean, I I love Tony, but offensively, he's struggling right now. He's almost non-existent as far as an offensive threat.
1: Yeah, it's uh, all of them are not, excuse me, are not great three-point shooters. And so you can play off them and and play them for the drive and get some help and makes them a little bit easier to guard. Uh, Patrick got a huge basket. Uh, on a nice drive, uh, that was that was a real big bucket. Uh, he's probably not shooting the ball as well as he's capable or would like to. Um, and I think the physical part of the game wears on him. It's, it's a physical league, uh, but he's young too. I mean, that sounds repetitive, but um, you yeah, know, people develop at all different kinds of rates, and um, he's due. He's due to to break out here. Hopefully, he will.
0: Um, so Oatmeal for Life, and we're, we're going to finish this off, Gary, with a uh, – I want to just ask you a question or two about Chris Street on um, the 29-year year anniversary, of course. Um, but Oatmeal for Life brings up the tourney outlook. I, I think this team will make the tournament. And I I, I thought that before this game. Now I'm a, a little bit little bit concerned offensively, but I'm going to pump the brakes on those concerns. We'll see. Again, got an opportunity now, two of these next three against Penn State to, to still get a couple wins here. Um I think they'll make the tournament because I, I see this kind of a seesaw continuing. I could be wrong, but I think there's going to be inconsistency. It's going to be a struggle to win on the road. But I also think Iowa's got enough to where we're going to see, I would say, I, I think you can bank on close to 500. Now, maybe they finish 9-11 and miss out, but I, I would guess right now that 10-10 and 10 is a, a pretty good outlook for this team. They're 3-4 and four right now, and, of course, they've got, two. I believe, two of their next three at home.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's real good. And I think if you just, you know, if you just said that at the beginning of the year, maybe you would have thought, Hey, that's, that's not bad, uh, especially with the schedule they've played and they've had, you know, they've had a couple games that were right there, the Purdue game on the road, uh, the Illinois game at home, uh, this game could have easily gone in a different direction and maybe they will and then get on a streak. Uh, so uh no, I think there's a lot of basketball left to be played. I think this team's got a lot of potential and they've shown flashes of really playing good basketball. Um, and um, they've got to, you know, as we talked about, they got to learn from this and move on. They got a game Saturday. It's big. It's home. They don't want to lose too many more games at home. They got to take care of that because uh, it's tough to win on the road, but um, they've been in just about every game with maybe one exception and um, playing in a tough league. So, Um, there's a lot of basketball left to be played.
0: Absolutely. Thomas brings up the bench, certainly a factor tonight. Um, Connor brings it up as well. I know you brought it up, Gary. So um, I want to switch here to the final few moments of the show uh, to discuss what is always a very difficult day, I'm sure, for you, Gary, and for everybody Mm -hmm. that was a part of uh, that 93 Iowa men's basketball team. And I I texted you earlier today, of course, the Big Ten Network re- Played the Iowa Michigan game that was what a little over a week after the the tragedy of, of Chris Street um, and his death. Uh, what what do you remember from 29 years ago? How 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 much does that day stand out in your mind 29 years later?
1: Yeah, it's hard to believe it's been 29 years. My goodness, it's uh, you know when this day rolls around, you not that you don't think about them a lot even on any other day, but. Uh, especially when you're watching basketball or watching athletics or whatever. A lot of times it'll pop right into your head. But this day, of course, um, you, you know, you, you'll never forget. Uh, it was a, it was just an awful time, and and uh, it's hard to believe it's 29 years. It's amazing. Uh, you know, in some ways it feels like yesterday, but in other ways it's hard to believe he's been gone that long. But um, he was a wonderful kid. Um, I really feel – lucky that I had a chance to know him and coach him, get to know his family. Uh, he's a terrific player. He, he epitomized everything that's great about Iowa and and Iowa athletics and Iowa basketball, and he was, you know, he was on a course to be a, I felt, a, a pro player for a long time and was the heart and soul of our team and and uh, a really, really fun guy to coach. So, um I, there's a lot of times I, I think about, boy, what what kind of player he would have ended up being and how long he would have played in the NBA. I, um, and it's a real shame that that got cut, cut short.
0: Uh, for, for some of the younger fans, and, and I am one I wasn't alive in 93, Gary. Um, and there's, I'm sure, a lot of people who are listening here who, who were not alive or were too young to remember. So kind of describe to our listeners what made Chris so special off the court.
1: Well, he was just genuine. You know, he was a, he was a typical Iowa kid. You know, he, he um, loved living loved living life. He had a lot of different he had a lot of interests, and and uh, he was just genuine and honest and open and uh, put on no airs. And he loved being a Hawkeye. That's what he wanted to be from probably since he was hardly born. <laughs> you know, that's that's he wanted to be a Hawkeye. So he appreciated the opportunity to you know, to be it. At the school and to play for uh, play for the Hawks and and, uh, and so when he went out there he just gave it everything he got and and yet off the court he was a good friend and good brother a uh, good son um, good teammate and um, you know I was watching Northwestern play uh, last night Chris Collins is the coach there we recruited Chris Collins hard uh, he was you know Doug Collins's son uh, he's from suburb of Chicago and end up being a really good um, college player, end up going to Duke. And uh, when he came on his visit, Chris was his uh, host and Chris almost got him to come here. I mean, it was, I mean, Chris Collins, will tell you today, it was really, really close. Uh, If it had not been Duke, he probably would have come. And a big reason for that was in a short period of time, the relationship he forged with him and, and how well Chris, communicated to him what it was like to play for Iowa and be in Iowa City. And and um, uh, he did that with a lot of the recruits uh, that we had and uh, pretty unique kid. It was, you know, we were we were really lucky to cross pass.
0: Can you remember do you remember what the locker room was like after the Michigan State game or after the Michigan game? And those I believe it was a three game winning streak right after his passing and and certainly the Michigan game going back home to a packed Carver. Do you remember what the locker room was like after being the the Fab five?
1: That was the loudest I've ever heard Carver Hawkeye arena. I mean, that that place was just unbelievable that day. And Michigan was obviously a really, really talented team. Uh, uh, They were ranked in the top five. I think they had the Fab five and all and so forth. The only thing I can really remember is we had the family back in afterwards and we gave them the game ball and, you know, it was a pretty emotional, you know, a pretty emotional, uh, time. Um, I, I give him a lot of credit. I don't know if I could have gone to an arena where my son had played three weeks ago and sat in the front row and watched a game like that. But Mike and Patty and the girls were, uh, you know, that's just who they are and brought her back to the locker room. And it was, it was very emotional and, and, um, what a phenomenal effort by our team to win those two games. After what they've been through, it's probably those two games um, are as big a games that, I, that I've witnessed in a, in a coaching career just from all that went on and how we pulled it off.
0: I think that, again, I, I didn't know Chris. Um, I don't know Patty and, and Mike. I know I've had conversations with Don Patterson, who runs into to Patty and Mike a lot, and, and he said the same mm-hmm. thing. And, and They seem like very strong people. And I'm sure that that situation made them stronger. But yeah, I was thinking that as 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 uh, as they were replaying that game today on BTN. How in the world can you sit there? Um, but they had all of Iowa behind them. They had the whole arena behind them. And, That's true. Sure. you guys. Um, and uh, what what a moment. And again, I we we you, you say it all the time. But um, what a what a tragedy but also the career that was lost again the life of an young man who had so much more than basketball uh, is so much more important but um, there's no escaping the fact that this kid like you said was probably an NBA player
1: yeah I don't think there's any doubt that's that's the direction he was going on he um, you know his last game was at Duke and he was the best player on the floor and there were a lot of pro players on the floor that day that was a you talk about a physical knock him down drag it out game that thing went right down to the end and we felt after leaving that game that we had a chance to win a national championship with that team. And they, we were, we took on a team that had won a lot of national championships and battled them right to the end. And we were playing really, really good basketball. And, and then obviously to lose him and the way we lost them, uh, we were still a pretty good t- team, but not obviously not the same that we were prior to the accident. And um, that could have been a team that could have done a lot of, a lot of damage come March. Cause we were, we were really playing well.
0: Who recruited Chris? Do you remember Gary?
1: I did, I did. He but did. It, you know, it, it's everybody recruits. You know, kid, the, coach, the head coach does, you know, does something, and the players do it. And and to be honest with you, anybody could have recruited Chris Street to Iowa because that's that's where he wanted to go. I mean, the only thing he could have done is not screw it up, which fortunately I didn't do. So, I mean, he literally committed after a camp. Uh, his, you know, and into his junior year. So there wasn't a whole lot of recruiting going on other than we, you know, we found him, discovered him f- fairly early and got a chance to see him play and knew he could play and got him down to campus. But beyond that, the school is what recruited him. That's, he, he wanted to be a Hawk and anybody could have gotten him.
0: Final question and a segue away from Chris here for this final question. And I want to see if I can – find it i just lost it in the uh, chat here uh ryan says describe the 20-year iowa versus wisconsin uh game where you coached on the other side i'm assuming he means what what does he mean by 20 years is there a 20-year game the
1: the, uh, we played iowa um on january 19th 20 years after he had died okay um and that was a yeah, that was, that was not an easy game. It, it was never an easy game for me to go play at Iowa. It's a game I really would prefer not to, not to play Though I'd I, be honest. I enjoyed beating them, but, um, Iowa, Iowa played a phenomenal game that day. We knew they were going to be, knew they were going to be ready. They had a real good team and it was a 20 year anniversary and the place was packed and loud and we had a good team, but, uh, they were, they were better that night. And, uh, was not an easy game to play because um, there was a lot leading up to it concerning the 20 years and and uh, so but you just gotta once the ball goes up it, it gets a little bit easier then you can just kind of focus on the game and try to help out where you can it's the stuff leading up and the stuff after that make it a little more difficult so
0: 2013.
1: That would have been 2013, yeah.
0: So that was a Fran team. I, I don't remember that game. I'll have to look back. I don't. I just don't remember that game. And that was in Carver.
1: I was in Carver. yep. Okay. Yep. And it was a. It was a. It was a close game. Iowa jumped out to a pretty good sized lead. Then we came back and made it a game. But um,
0: okay.
1: they had a very good team that year, and uh, so did we. And um, uh, it was a real good, a real good uh, college basketball game that uh, Iowa deserved to win and did.
0: I remember, I, I just don't remember that game. And uh, usually my memory w- with, with Iowa basketball, at least in the past 12 years is pretty sharp, but that would have been like Aaron White, Devin Marvel. Yeah. I'm assuming those guys, but I just. Uh, uh, yep. Kept that game up. Yep. Yep.
1: I think Jeff Horner, maybe. And um, yeah, it was a real good, real good Iowa basketball team then um, real, t- real tough to play. And, and um, they jumped on us. The place was jumping and, we did fight our way back to make it a competitive game, um, uh, but uh, they were better that day. Oh, there it was eighty seventy six. Yeah, eighty to seventy six. Yeah, two
0: thousand thirteen. Um, all right, Gary. Well, uh, this is the uh, been a, a pleasure to be able to, to uh, reminisce, and I know it's it's always a, a difficult day. I'm sure for everybody that was a part yep. of that, and and uh, certainly a tough day for for Iowa fans today. But. As you and I both know, regardless of how this game was lost, if there's anything that Iowa fans should be confident in, at least from my perspective, anything that Iowa fans are confident in Fran doing, it's better in offense, right? He's yeah. an offensive-minded coach. Now, I've questioned yeah, we'll over that. the years, Gary, I've questioned at times, does he have what it takes to fix some of the defensive issues? But I don't think you can debate the fact that uh, he is more than qualified to fix offensive issues. So regardless of what's happened, and again, we saw some struggles late in that Minnesota game Sunday – against mm-hmm. that zone um, you, you hope that that they can fix those and, and they've got what three days it's it's bang 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 there's no more week-long breaks though from here on out so it's no, fix, no. These, fix these issues quickly
1: yeah yeah that's why you gotta you you gotta study the tape and figure out what you did wrong then you gotta move on you just can't belabor too long or like we said one loss turns into two turns into three and turns into a losing streak And this team is good enough to to not go on things like that, and hopefully get hot again and, and put a streak together. It would not surprise me. I think they've they've they got enough there that they can. Um, they just got to be a little more consistent.
0: Absolutely. So for anybody that uh, is not aware, and I'm gonna go ahead and pop this up on the the uh, banner here, um, Iowa Penn State, of course, this coming Saturday, it'll be a three thirty p.m. game. And and Gary, how about this? It's sold out. Nice. That is good news because uh, that means uh, – I'm assuming that means the students are sold out as well. Um, that's the main thing I'm looking for. So I, I would think the students are all, all back, and yep. this, is an oppor- this is an opportunity for a, a raucous crowd. Because let's be honest, Gary, if, if they go in there and put up 85 on Penn State and win by 10-15, or if they win by five, that, if, if they're back clicking, we're not going to remember this game a couple weeks. I mean, it's going to be you on can. the resume, but it's not a yeah. bad loss.
1: Yeah, you got, I mean, Rutgers is five and two. I mean, they're they're a game out of first place. Um, so, you know, they may, maybe they haven't been like that in the past. They had a good year last year, um, but they're a pretty solid basketball team. They beat Purdue there. Um, so uh, it's a tough loss because they really had a chance to win it. They did a lot of things well enough to win it other than putting the ball in a basket and uh so hopefully that'll get better and uh like i said i, I it wouldn't surprise me they go in a little bit of a roll they're they're not that far off uh i just got to be a little more little more consistent and see that ball go down
0: absolutely all right folks one uh let's see 3 30 not 130, 30 3 30 saturday i will be there saturday
1: i'm looking Harper. forward you'll to it you'll be there
0: on It'll
1: saturday nice to see that place packed
0: boy that, that'll be a treat so when's the last time you've been to a? am curious when's the last time you've been to a sold out carver you know
1: that's a good question probably when i was coaching in wisconsin i bet it was pretty close to being sold out probably uh 2016 okay we played him that year and i think we did i can't remember tell you the truth but um if it wasn't sold out it was close um so probably probably five years
0: well six years enjoy uh safe travels down and enjoy that game and uh It'd be a great, you know, again, any win in the Big Ten is a good win. And if you win that, you're right on pace at four and four. Um, and then you're back home against Purdue following Thursday. So, Gary, we appreciate the time as always. All right, and Corey. We will talk to you next time. Look forward to it. Take care. All right, for Coach Gary Close, Corey Brata from the Hawkeye of the Storm. We'll talk to everybody on Saturday.